It is Family Sunday. We love doing this here at GT. It's a great time for the church to gather together collectively with the kids, an intergenerational type of service, have them involved in the services. We thank God for our Family Life team and the wonderful kids ministry, junior high and youth that we have. But it's good just to gather together as a family every once in a while and, and to be reminded that these kids, that they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. This is their church. This is where they belong. They belong to this place. This is their home. This is uh, the place where they grow and are discipled and equipped and be informed in the power of God. And so we just love having our kids involved in this incredible gathering and service. Well, welcome to our 1045 service. If you're new, welcome to GT. My name's Tim, one of the pastors here. And we are excited to be in a brand new series, uh, an Advent topical series, where we are essentially following the church calendar, something that the church has done for hundreds and hundreds of year, years to really focus in on this, this, great, um, this great theme of the arrival of Christ and the promise that that was for the people of God. And so we, over the next four weeks, are going to be looking at different topics and themes within this Advent calendar, uh, culminating on Christmas Eve. I want to encourage you to continue to register for our services, but also for the Christmas Eve service. We'll be kind of finalizing that, uh, that service on Christmas Eve. And uh, it'll just be a great time of celebrating together and just having a beautiful time of, yes, just celebrating the arrival of Jesus. Now, this word Advent... It simply means this, the arrival of a notable person, thing, or an event. Uh, the idea was that the Messiah was going to come, and he did come. But the continuation of that is that Messiah will come once again. He has come, but he's also going to continually come in power and might, and he will come in fullness one day. Now, the Advent season throughout the entirety of the Christian church usually takes place the four Sundays prior to Christmas, and it is a time of celebrating the incarnation of Jesus. The truth that the Son of God left the throne room of heaven, he took upon himself flesh, and he lived amongst us. We use the title, Emmanuel, that God is in fact with us. And as I said before, it was an event that changed all of history and fulfilled what had continually been promised since the beginning of history. Now within Advent, there are four major themes that the church historically looks at. And those themes are simply this, hope, peace, joy, and light. And so once again, over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at these themes that as we celebrate Advent, we're celebrating a time where Jesus has come to give us hope. Jesus has come to give us peace. Jesus has come to give us what we sung about this morning in that first song, joy. And joy is very different than happiness. Happiness is temporal. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness comes and goes. But joy is eternal. Joy is within us. And light was always significant of God's presence. Now I want us to stand for the reading of God's word here this morning. And our text here today is found in Isaiah chapter 9. Verses 6 through 7, a very familiar passage of Scripture. And the prophet says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And I love verse 7. The writer says, Of the increase, everyone say increase. It's the idea of growth. It's the idea of expansion. 
It's the idea of something permeating an area. The increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. You may be seated here this morning. Now, this prophetic declaration in the book of Isaiah was given, written, or spoken uh, approximately about 700 years prior to the coming of Christ. And we have to understand that this declaration was given to the children of Israel would be one of hope where one day a Messiah would come and essentially he would make all that is wrong in the world right. He would bring justice, and that justice would be ultimately realized for God's people. Now, in the time of the prophet Isaiah, of Isaiah and the time shortly after Isaiah, this promise came in a time of Israel's history where things were not looking good. In fact, things were looking bleak. There was no hope, and many of the children of Israel wondered, would there ever come a day when we'll be liberated? Will there ever come a day when these injustices will be no more? Will there ever come a day where we will experience this oppression no more? And you, we, have, we must understand that this prophetic declaration was something that the children of Israel would teach from generation to generation, and they would anticipate its fulfilling. That the words of Isaiah would ring true from generation to generation and they would tell their children, we must believe that there is a day coming when Messiah will show up and we will be liberated. We will be set free when peace will reign on the earth and there will be a new kingdom, kingdom established in the earth. There will be a kingdom that all other kingdoms and empires of the world will eventually be subjected to. And it will be a kingdom that is eternal, not just temporal. This is what the children of Israel were promised. And ultimately, this is what the children of Israel hoped for. Now, this word hope simply means this. It's usually connected to a person or an event in which expectations are centered upon. I want to ask you this question here this morning. Have you ever hoped for something? Have you ever had great expectation of something to happen? Kids, have you ever hoped for a Christmas present to be under the tree? I remember one year when I was young, my brothers and I, we wanted a Nintendo, the original Nintendo, all right? Can I get a witness in here? Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt, those kinds of things, right? And when the screen went from left to right, it wasn't 3D, it was 2D. And our, my brothers and I, we were, we were anticipating that we would get a Nintendo, but my dad kept telling us, we can't afford a Nintendo. Guys, don't get your hopes up. We're probably not going to get a Nintendo. But then a miracle happened. Christmas morning, we, we woke up and we went through opening all our presents. We got all these neat gifts, but we didn't have the Nintendo. But then my dad said, hey, he pulled the, the Christmas story move. Hey, what's that over there behind the couch? And we looked, we saw this box. And we went over and we picked up the box and we opened up the box and it was a Nintendo NES gaming system. And we were so excited because the thing that we had hoped for actually came true. Have you ever hoped for something? You know, my wife and I, we've had the privilege and honor of praying with many people that were sick in body. 
Many people that were dying of cancer and we would pray and anticipate and contend and believe for a miracle. And by God's grace, we saw many people get healed. Miracles, signs and wonders happened where the power of God came and touched their body. A 14 year old girl with stage four cancer completely healed. We had hoped and anticipated for it and it happened. But can I be honest? We've also prayed for people that were dying of cancer, prayed for people that were sick in body. We hoped and anticipated for a miracle, and it didn't happen. You see, hope is always connected to expectations. And the interesting thing about expectations is it gives us this great excitement. We expect something to happen, but often when expectations are not met, sometimes in the time frame that we want, sometimes in the way that we want, if we're honest and transparent, we lose hope. This is a time where despair begins to settle in to our lives because we're full of expectation and something doesn't happen the way we anticipate and hope. Now this morning in Luke chapter two, we're going to look at a person named Simeon who was hoping for the promise of God to be fulfilled in his life. He believed that he was given a great promise but just like every one of us, he had these expectations. How is it going to look? How is it going to unfold? When will it happen? Will it happen in my lifetime like I believe God told me? Or will I not see it and experience it? And so in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32, the writer says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he has seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your words, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. I want to ask you this question here this morning. What does hope look like? What does hope look like? I believe from this text here today, we see three things that I want you to take notes on that we learn from Simeon in regards to this great Advent theme of hope. And the first key that we see in this text is simply this, hope is waiting. How many people love waiting? Right? No one likes waiting for things, especially in the 21st century. You've probably heard it said that anything worthwhile is worth waiting for. However, if we are honest, and we're in the house of God here this morning, we're with the people of God, if we're honest with ourselves and with each other, waiting, especially patiently waiting, is not a defining characteristic of much of modern society. We have become so accustomed to fulfilling our every whim and desire when we yearn for it, when we long for it. And often because of this, because of this convenience culture and how accessible everything is, we often become enslaved to our own flesh and desires. Now, in our home, just around the corner from us, we have a Starbucks. 
This is amazing. Because we used to not have a Starbucks close to us. But now we have a Starbucks close to us. And every morning, I drive my two older daughters to M.M. Robinson. I drop them off at school, and then I come here to the church. And so many, many times throughout the week, in the mornings, we go for a daddy-daughter Starbs date. We get there early, we walk in, and we get our Starbucks. Now, I, I'm a little bit old school, so I like interaction with people. I'm not one of these digital type of people, all right? I'll get to that in a moment. So every morning we go in there, and I love it because early in the morning, Starbucks there, there's no drive through it's not a busy place. We walk in, my daughters and I, and there's hardly anybody in the entirety of the Starbucks. And my immediate, immediate thought is we're hardly going to have to wait. This is going to be awesome. We're going to give our orders. I'm going to have my medium flat white. Ladies, take it away. What are you guys going to have? They order their sandwiches. They order their peppermint mochas or their fancy dessert drinks. And I think we're going to have quick service. But what I've learned is that over the pandemic, there's this weird thing that is happening. People are literally ordering their Starbucks from their phone before they get to the store. Have you noticed this? So I walk in, there's no one there. And I'm thinking, this is great. We've got the whole store to ourselves. But on this counter, there are like 20 drinks lined up. Steve, Melissa, Angie, Peter. And I'm thinking, who are these people? There's no one here but us. And so I give my drink, and I like to have a little conversation. Let's say her name's Marie. Marie, how's your day going? Top of the morning to you. And she's talking, what will you be having? I'll say, I'll have my drink. They'll have their stuff. How will you be paying? Debit or credit? And I say, Cash because I like to mess everything up. And it's amazing when you say cash. I don't even know what to do anymore with that. Ca cash. Do we take cash here? Anybody know? Do we still take cash here? So I, I don't do that. That'd be gross in COVID era, right? So, but cash, right? And we put in our order and then we start the process of waiting. And what I thought was going to be a simple, short, Starbs date with my daughters now ends up being where they're being late to school. Because as I'm sitting there enjoying the presence of people, Steve walks in with his head down, grabs his drink, walks out. Next thing I know, Melissa walks in, head down, grabs her drink, walks out. And I'm sitting here, what is going on here? Do people even know to how, how to have a conversation anymore? How to talk to the person there. And grocery checkout, I never go to those machines. I hate those machines. I want to, can I get a witness? I want to, first of all, I always mess it up anyways. I can never do it right. I want to talk to people. I want to engage. And it's interesting that the more dependent we become on the digital world, the more lonely and isolated we become. And so there I am in the Starbs waiting and people are just rushing in and rushing out, rushing in and rushing out. And I begin to get frustrated because what I thought was going to be five minutes is now 15 to 20 minutes as I wait for my line because I'm being punished, punished, I tell you. <laughs> because I refused to let that be the defining thing in my life, right? And my patience gets tested. And if I'm honest, I don't like waiting for my flat white. I'm not patient. I'm discouraged. Now, what I love about this story here in Luke chapter 2, Simeon's not dealing with Starbucks and flat whites, but he's dealing with this promise that he was given. That he was waiting for the consolation or the liberation of Israel. 
You see, Simeon would have heard the words of the prophet Isaiah who declared, there's a day coming. There's a day coming when God is going to break into time, space, and history. And his promised Messiah is going to come to set his people free. You see, Simeon, like so many God-fearing Jews of his day, he greatly anticipated that day. But in the meantime, he was waiting patiently. You see, I believe that Advent is us learning about what it means to wait and how to be okay with not knowing exactly how tomorrow is going to unfold. I believe Advent is about us learning what it means to live in the present. How to embrace what God is doing in us and for us in this present moment. I believe Advent is actually about us learning to slow down and help us to learn not to be uh, completely consumed by the frantic pace of the what-ifs of the great tomorrow. You see, if we're honest with ourselves, often this time from the beginning of December leading up to Christmas becomes so easily the most hectic time in our year. We have so many things to do, so many presents to buy, so many presents to wrap, so many trees to decorate, so many parties to go to, so many family get-togethers, so many meals to prepare. And these are all beautiful and wonderful things, but there's this unhealthy rhythm and pace that happens in this season. And yet, this is supposed to be a time that we are reminded that our hope is actually connected to our waiting, and our waiting is connected to being present in the moment. Isaiah 40, 31 said, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The second key that we see here in regards to hope with Simeon is simply this. Hope is believing. Don't stop believing. All right, anyways. uh, C.S. Lewis says this. You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It is easy to say you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you are merely using it to cord a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? You see, the belief of Simeon here in Luke chapter 2 was not one that was a casual or flippant belief. It was one in which his whole life and reason were centered around. He so depended on this being true. The promise of the coming Messiah was not just a tag-on to his life. The promise of the coming Messiah was not just a religious ritual activity. He knew that his hope, his well-being, and his promised future for him and his people depended upon it. You see, I believe that belief often increases in times of great dependency. And Simeon understood this truth that this truth that maybe the Messiah hasn't come as quickly as I had hoped for. 
Maybe the Messiah has not come as quickly as my people have longed for. But in the midst of this waiting period, I'm not going to lose hope and I'm not going to stop believing that God is true to his word. And if he said it, he's going to do it. Hope is always connected to believing. Romans 15, Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, even in our own community at one of our high schools this week, tragedy has struck our community. Terrible tragedy, twice in one week, where we are seeing before our very eyes a generation of young people lashing out in frustration, acting out in great despair and heartache. Why? Because hope has been deferred and therefore their hearts and their minds are sick. These are difficult times for this generation. Being a young person is already difficult enough. And now compound it with all that is happening in the world. And it's so easy for despair to settle in. For many of them to think life is hopeless. Life is meaningless. There's no point in me even existing. What tragedy that shook our community this week. I would propose, there's many factors involved, but I would propose we're seeing a hopeless despair in the emerging generation. And Advent needs to remind us that we are called to never stop believing, to never stop instilling hope, even in the darkest days. Thirdly, I want you to write this down. Hope is remaining steadfast. Now I can, I can just imagine Simeon performing his priestly duties day in and day out, constantly wondering if today was going to be the day that a young mother brought their child into the temple to be dedicated and Simeon would in fact see the promise one. You see, the key is that in the midst of waiting, in the midst of believing, Simeon continued to do what he was called to do. He was diligent in his work and responsibility. He prepared himself for that moment so that when it happened, he would not miss it. Think about this. What if Simeon had decided to skip work that day? What if Simeon had called in sick because he just didn't feel like going to work? Now, my point is not whether you should ever take a break or stay home if you are sick. Please please do that, (laughs) right? Please, Please do that. But my point is this. What are we doing every day to prepare ourselves and position ourselves to where we are ready when the thing that we have been hoping for finally walks into our lives? How are we remaining steadfast and diligent while remaining in hope of what God has promised to us? I can imagine Simeon wondering every single morning as he gets up and he knows I'm setting out to do my priestly duties, anticipating is today going to be the day? 
And how many days does Simeon get up, prepare himself to go do the priestly duties, wondering if this was going to be the moment, and it didn't happen. And what we see here in Luke chapter 2 is Simeon called it quits. Simeon said, not today. No, Simeon did what he was called to do. He remained diligent and steadfast in his duties in the midst of hoping, in the midst of waiting, in the midst of believing, so that when God acted, he experienced it. Eugene Peterson says this, hoping does not mean doing nothing. It is the opposite of desperate and panicky manipulations, of scurrying and worrying. And hoping is not dreaming. It is not spinning an illusion or fantasy to protect us from our boredom and pain. It means a confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. It is imagination put in the harness of faith. It is a willingness to let God do it his way and in his time. There was an old saint in our church back in Bloomington named Shelby Durnell. Shelby was an old prayer warrior, a war horse. I mean, just contender of miracles. So, so many miracles happened. Shelby, as she got older in life, her health just began to deteriorate over time. And she hasn't been doing well over the last several years. And in my second year of lead pastoring, I was preaching a sermon and I gave an altar call response for people that wanted to put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus as Lord to come and receive prayer and, and to make that commitment. It's something I take very, very seriously. It's not just a flippant decision, but it's a commitment. I'm dying to self so that Jesus will be Lord of my life. And that day, a young man walked up to the front to my left, and our prayer team was here, and they began to lead him in prayer. And Shelby came up and sat over here to my right and just began to weep, just began to cry. And so I walked over after I was done preaching. I said, Shelby, are, are you okay? She said, Pastor Tim, these, these are tears of joy. Do you see that young man over there? Said, yeah, I, I see him there. He's getting prayer. That's my nephew. I've been praying this prayer for 20 years. And that shook me to my core. What are the prayers that I'm willing to contend for for 20 plus years to see its fulfillment? Because if we're honest, many of us have stopped praying certain prayers because we didn't see it fulfilled in the timeline that we gave God. Hello. I know I've been guilty of this. We stop contending. We stop preparing. We stop believing. We stop remaining diligent and steadfast. Shelby, she said, every single morning, I have not relented in praying for his salvation. And I just didn't pray, but every time we got together as family, I would share the good news of Jesus. with Shelby was like the most fearless woman I've ever known. She often, people would walk in that she knew that had been wandering from their faith, and she would walk right up to them, just with the holy boldness, and say, today's the day of salvation. Are you ready? You know, I would never do that. I'd be like, hey, it's good to see you. So glad to have you in the house of God. Holy Spirit, get them. Get them today. Just pray something in the service. You know, Shelby just walks right up. Today's the day of salvation. Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? 
There's like a courage and boldness in that. And many times people are, oh, thanks, Shelby, you know, whatever. But she believed and she contended. And that morning she sat there in complete joy and delight because the things she had been praying consistently for 20 plus years was fulfilled in her midst. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. You see, in the first advent of Jesus, what we celebrate in this season, Jesus did, in fact, inaugurate his kingdom in the hearts of all believers. And he restored right relationship between mankind and their creator. And he made a way for all of us who put our faith, hope, and trust in him as Lord to be made right spiritually before our Father. And we can now have an internal peace, an internal hope, an internal joy, an internal love that no matter what happens in the world, it cannot be taken away. But beloved, in this first advent that we recognize here this morning, we look forward, we anticipate, we expect a second advent. When Jesus, the Messiah, that was promised by the prophet Isaiah 700 years prior to the first advent will come again and he will make right everything that is wrong in the world. He will in fact make all things new and what he begun in his first advent, he will bring to completion in his second advent. And this, this is the hope, the blessed hope that you and I have as believers. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says this, God's plan is not to abandon this world, the world which he said was very good. Rather, he intends to remake it. And when he does, he will raise all his people to new bodily life to live in it. That is the promise of the Christian gospel. And so this is the promise of hope that we have as believers. This is what we are to be in expectation for. That no matter how difficult things get, no matter how much evil may abound in the earth, we look forward to the promise that we see in Revelation 21 and we hope, we anticipate, and we expect that day. This is what Advent reminds us of. And in the meantime... We wait, we believe, and we remain steadfast. We wait, we believe, and we remain steadfast, immovable, unshakable, never allowing the current cultural moment to deter us from the blessed hope that we have. Jesus is coming again. Amen? Amen? Jesus is coming again. We anticipate a second advent. I want us to stand to our feet here this morning. As you came in, 
You should have gotten some elements. It's Communion Sunday for us here at GT. If you're joining us online, we encourage you to maybe grab some elements as well. And I love celebrating this beautiful sacrament where we, we participate in what Jesus has done at the cross by allowing his body to be broken so that we might be made whole. By allowing his blood to be shed to be the ultimate sacrifice. Paying for the debt of sin that we owed so that we might be restored to right relationship. And as we participate this morning in communion, we are reminded of that first advent. But beloved, once again, we hope for that second advent. I don't know what 2022 is going to hold for us. I'm believing for great things. I'm believing for better days. I'm praying and believing for the emerging generation, for such a revival to take place in their lives, for such an awakening, and just for some simple things to be good. You can do both. You can believe for awakening revival, and Lord, let them have a good time as well. Let them enjoy some life as well. I don't know, though, what 2022 holds for us. I don't know what it holds for the next generation, but this is what I know. I'm gonna be patient and waiting. I'm never gonna stop believing. I'm going to be diligent in the work that he has called us to, to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Amen? And Advent reminds us of that truth. So let, let us pray over the elements here today. Jesus, we thank you for your finished work at the cross. We thank you for what you did in that first advent, that first arrival. And we anticipate you bringing it to completion one day. We thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed so that we might be made new. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let us partake of the bread here today. Let us partake of the cup together. I said this in the first service. I felt it just impromptu, spontaneously in the first service. I just want to declare it over us here this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit right now is going to awaken in you prayers that you've stopped praying. I believe the Holy Spirit this morning is going to awaken in you a desire to continue to pray the prayer that you've stopped praying. That maybe for whatever reason you've given up hope on, you've stopped believing would come true because expectations weren't met in the way you anticipated. And maybe despair set in. Maybe disillusionment set in. I'm believing this morning through the anointing of the Holy Spirit for prodigal sons and daughters to return home. I know what that is to grip a heart, to pray and contend and believe, wondering, Lord, will, will you ever get a hold of their life? Will they ever turn from their ways and turn back to your kingdom? I stand in faith with you here this morning and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I'm declaring prodigal sons and daughters to come home. Uh, I want to encourage you, don't lose hope. 
Don't lose hope. Don't stop believing. Remain diligent to pray and contend, to love, to share the good news. It may be a 20-year prayer. It may be a 30-year prayer. But as Shelby would testify that morning, it was all worth it. My mentor used to always tell me, Tim, Jesus never promised it's going to be easy. He simply promised it's going to be worth it. And I declare over you here this morning, it's going to be worth it. Worth it. God is true to his promises. His promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And what he said, he will in fact do. So we declare with one voice today, prodigal sons and daughters come home. Go ahead, right now in this place, just begin to say that. Prodigal sons and daughters, come home. If you have sons and daughters that are far from the faith, if you have relatives that are far from the faith, I want you right now, let your faith arise. Let your faith increase in this moment. Prodigal sons and daughters, come home. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. You've been running long enough. Maybe you're watching even here online this morning, and you're far from your faith. You're distant from your faith. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. Jesus is calling you. He is welcoming you back. Never lose hope. Remain diligent in all that you do because Jesus is always true to his word. Amen. So Lord, I bless your people. Let them go in the power and strength of your might. Let them walk in your goodness and trust you are faithful. You are true to your word. Help us to be a people of hope, full of hope, but also instilling hope to those that are hopeless. Every teenager that's here, I know I'm going off script here, but it's okay. Or every teenager that's here right now, I want you to raise your hands up. If you're a teenager, you're a junior high or high school, raise your hands up. If you see hands raised, I want you to stretch your hands towards them right now. We're gonna turn this place into a house of prayer in this moment. These are difficult days for this generation. Difficult days. Lord, instill hope into these young teenagers right now. Help them to know that you are a good, good father. That you love them. You created them and you are forming them into your image. That they have a purpose and they have a destiny that you are calling them to walk in. Help them to be so full of hope. Even when the world looks bad, even when things are difficult and challenging, help them to never lose hope because you're true to your word. And help them to be carriers of this hope. Help them to be carriers of this hope in their schools, in their neighborhoods, in their sports teams. Help them to carry the truth of the blessed hope that they have, that they would in, in, infuse hope into their friends. Let them be ambassadors for Jesus, walking in your purposes, in your ways. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.